And I had the time of my life And I owe it all to you Forgot the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, though, man. That works, Tom. I was almost getting ready into that, man. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> we all got significant others that have watched that movie several thousands of times, man. Well, if I did the whole song, I'd have to do the the dirty dancing, the lift. dance thing. I'd have to get you to do that. With nah, me. nah, nah, nah. I'm not doing we'll, that. We'll man. wait till you do the YouTube stuff for that, <laughs> and then we'll get onto that board. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate coming out here, finally meeting you. Really I know. Nice. We have, I've been chatting for so long on DMs, and everyone's just busy, and especially the last two years has been crazy busy, right? Life is crazy. Always it's, busy. Let me get the deets out here. So Tom Elliott, Elliott's Trusted Trades, Inc. I actually liked, I like I liked the name. How'd you come up with that name? It's my last name. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but the whole, the whole it's, it's almost like a message instead of a company name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I never really thought about it. It just came to be one day. My uh, The Elliot's has got two T's at the end. Yes. So my logo's two T's making a house yeah. and trusted trades. and Yeah, two L's and two T's. So Elliot's Trusted Trades, Inc. Uh, and then the website is www.trustedtrade.ca. Yeah, and that the, S is expensive. <laughs> really? Oh, it's like two grand more. Um, it's, I don't understand that. It's just a personally. business, man. It's a oh, business. Yeah. Email is info at trustedtrade.ca. And then on social media, everybody, it's Elliot's Trusted Trades. So two T's in the Elliot's. And then there's an S there on the uh, the Instagram one. That one was free. They so. left They left that one alone, man. <laughs> All right. Where do you want to begin, man? Uh, you, you tell us where to start. Well, I mean, you're relative. How young are you, man? Uh, I think I'm 31. Oh, normally you're, st I, you're still a kid, man. Normally, I let my spouse answer for me because I have a bad memory for that thing. But oh no, no, you're still a young kid. So you you got the business. You got into the business early 20s, then 23, 24, kind of thing. <sighs> Even earlier. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, I was in uh, college, and uh, the way it worked out, I was staying, and I needed to get a job right away because we kind of got kicked out of our place, and so. I picked up uh, some work with a plumber and I was digging undergrounds for four months straight and then he had no work passed me to a reno guy and just got going with him and and took off any complaints when you were digging for four months straight every day under my <laughs> breath for sure <laughs> yeah there's two ways to complain two ways to complain I mean you're with the wife or fiance at the time girlfriend at the time at the time, no, I was a single guy. Okay, all right, and then you you, you needed to hustle and make some money, and then digging the trenches were making money. Yeah, my uh, my parents got separated. We had a place we were staying at, and then that kind of fell through. So then me and my sister had to get a place, and uh, I got, the only reason I went to school uh, college because I had a scholarship, mm -hmm. and then I didn't even want to go. It was just it was free, and I was like, that's what people do, and then they hit you with the books, and then you know everything started adding up and then i pretty much got a full-time job what were you expected to learn at post-secondary school there uh i just took a general arts and science like i said i didn't want to lose out on the scholarship because it was a free ride basically and uh i don't want to say i regret going i definitely learned some things were you there the whole term um yeah i was there the whole term yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, i mean i started school and then i didn't like it i left it then i actually went into the world worked for a bit yeah. then i craved school and then i went back and then i finished school 
So I think it's a mindset. It's like you got to be at a certain point. I found as like uh, life goes on and you get a little bit older, you have these just bursting moments where you just have this desire to learn something. Um, And being in business has really kind of had that happen for me. So from the plumbing, from the digging the uh, trenches, you had another friend who introduced you to the rental side of things? Yeah. Yeah. I was only supposed to work for for him for like a couple weeks but we really meshed well together in the beginning there and i worked for about a year with him until he laid me off and then i jumped on solar for a little bit with the microfit stuff that came out and then kind of circled back to reno's went back to that employer again and we we tried again did a he put me in a van and we did another year and we just couldn't see eye to eye doing some insurance work and the way things were done and all that kind of stuff. So well, insurance work is difficult, right? Cause you're always given the scope and it never matches the pay. Yeah. Like, and this is one reason I've, I've always kind of gravitated towards you and your page is like that do it as best as you can. Thing. Yeah. And then when you're put in those positions with insurance work, it's as, do it as cheap as you can, <laughs> as good as you can is in a cheap way, as long as it doesn't cost money. So you're either working for free at one point to take it to the point where it needs to be that you're comfortable with. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say corners were cut. It was just more of a, I didn't like his process and it was more focused on money than the the client and the whole the whole project as a whole it was just get to the end get paid do this how long was he in the game for before you guys started with him oh i couldn't honestly don't know how long he was in the game before i just find that a lot of trades kind of hit that point where they finally just say listen this is really about the paycheck yeah it's it's a job yeah and i just i i never gotten to that point but I, I assume that a lot of people in the industry do get there i i wouldn't say it's so much a point it's it creeps up on you like everyone hits it uh, at different stages in life like uh when i had my kids and stuff like that my focus shift from my business to my children yeah and yeah it was more about a paycheck and it was more about okay what can i hit out of the park oh, i can smash that real quick let's get that done let's do that and i was i wasn't taking on the things that like excited me it was taking on the things that i knew were going to put money in the bank for sure but did you lose passion as a result of that or did your passion was refocused somewhere else like towards your family right yeah i would say it was more shifted and it uh it comes back like having children and and a small baby at home like i have four children now oh wow i'm wrapped just <laughs> smacking them out yeah 31 yeah 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 wow. 31 oh, yeah so it's it's a busy house oh very much so yeah uh, what is, what is, uh, how many boys uh, girls so I should say the, I have a 10-year-old stepdaughter, okay. and then I have three boys of my own. Wow. Um, so five, three, and one. Hopefully I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of respect for that because that's a lot of work. That's your primary job, and then the construction is <laughs> your secondary job, or it depends on the day of the week? Yeah, I owe a lot to my spouse, uh, Sabrina. She does, like, miracles pretty much. Um <laughs> 
but yeah, it's definitely a lot to manage a business and, uh, and employees and projects and, and then deal with, you know, kids, doctor's appointments, all that kind of stuff. Are any of the children, I guess it's, it might be a little too early, but are they showing any signs of interest? In con- oh, oh, they 100%. are? 100%. They are, huh? I rent out my own, uh, my own bathroom this past February, and my son was by my side laying The whole tile. time, glued. Oh, oh I'm like, back butter this for me, and he's going. <laughs> he's handing me tile. So he's not hanging on to an iPad or something or watching TV? He's uh, actually looking at you physically doing it? I'm sure he It's amazing to hear, by the way. He'll get to that, like, but uh, I'm always fixing stuff at the house, so, and I'm, I'm all over showing them. Like, I love to show kids that stuff, so, uh, like, if I'm changing an outlet, I'm here, grab the screwdriver, put that in, you know what I mean? Make him do it. Yeah. He's helped me paint doors, walls, all that kind of stuff. I've always had, it's always been a thrill, like, because when you speak to children about renovations, they always have that wide eyes sunny look on your face when you first got into the business where it's like anything is possible i can build anything with my hands Mm -hmm. and then the kids actually have that mindset of anything is anything they can just think about like they and they'll come up with ideas that you're like thinking that's not a bad idea (laughs) well even my daughter like she kind of designed her own room and we did like uh, some wainscoting wallpaper and she's like i want bright blue wainscoting and me and her mom are looking at each other like this kid doesn't know what's smashed it it looks great like and it's like holy cow like this this looks really good (laughs) where are the kids getting the ideas from are they talking with their friends or like what's going on i don't know where she pulled that out of no maybe watching certain disney movies or something they see the color yeah tv show it's gotta be something like that maybe i don't know and you know it's just gonna get either your perspective how you look at it better or worse as they get older as into teenage years yeah i guess hopefully better i mean (laughs) i'm hoping my boys maintain interest i would love them to to get involved in it i mean it it's a tough job everyone knows that that's in it but it is pretty rewarding and uh and yeah i think it's a good career to get into still what was the spark when you first started your own business like when you finally got to the point where i think i'm ready to start well, like we touched on this a little bit was the OSCB program. Yeah. So me and my uh, former employer, again, we weren't seeing things eye to eye, just just a bunch of things just amounting. And we both mutually kind of decided this is over, like we can't keep going. And that was in December. And uh, I just decided to start my own business and I applied to that OSCB program. I got denied right away. And anyone who doesn't know that program, it was like it would utilize your EI. Yeah. And uh, but there were certain requirements. And uh, one was like you had to like $14,000 in cash or something to oh. actually start the business. Because they want you to do a business plan, make the website. Well, I had like negative $7,000 at the time. Like I wasn't in, I was younger and I had a Mercedes just that the transmission just would not work no matter okay. how much money I put into it. Yeah. Either way. So when I applied, uh, they basically said, yeah, you don't have enough money to do this. Like you're not, you're not allowed in the program. And then the program got canceled and the, as the, the government would. Yeah. But for, for that, or for me, it was a godsend because uh, Mario, the the head coordinator, they got paid per head, however many people were in the program. Oh, okay. So I got a call, get down here, and we'll put you in the program. <laughs> so I rushed down and signed the papers. I got into it, and uh, I told him 
or I, I, I wouldn't say I fabricated. I pooled up all my money to show him that it had like seven grand. Meanwhile, I was like minus seven grand at the time. But, uh, but yeah, so he let me into the program and uh, they educate you a little bit. And those were like 16 hour days. I would just go to school, learn about it and then work at night for cash and, and slowly start to build my business. And within like six months, I had all my debt paid. I bought a van and I was just hustling every day. Nice. Yeah. But no formal training, training, no family member <clears throat> kind of showing you the ropes. You just kind um, of dove right in. I wouldn't discredit my dad. He, he showed me a bunch of little stuff other than the two years I'd spent with the, the renovation guy I worked with before. I did some project uh, coordinating and stuff for solar. So like management, my mind was kind of starting to wrap around that and how to go about that. And then, yeah, other than that, not really much formal training. I'm not like I don't school is good for a lot of people. Like like I said, school, the first round for me wasn't for me. It just didn't work. Second round, it worked really well. You, I think you got to be at a certain point in your life for it. I think a lot of trades people that go the school school route, it, it benefits them greatly. Other, other times it's the apprenticeship route and it benefits them greatly. Sometimes individuals are just thrown right into it and they just start swinging a hammer without any training at all, whether it's a dad, uncle or somebody in the family. I think it's just you got to just dive deep into the passion and see if you have an interest. Yeah, like I had a lot of drive, especially in the early days when I didn't have kids. I still, I still do, but you know, when the entire focus was on it, like I lived and breathed it every day, like every weekend. I was self-educating any minute I could get to, like, it sounds silly, but YouTube, Schluter training, whatever you can yeah. do. You know, you get a job and then you're researching, you're calling other contractors, you're asking their opinion, and you're just kind of developing as much as you can before you do it, as you do it, afterwards you reflect on it and you keep going and going and going. You know that's going to be the best is... When one of your sons, or if not all three, make a suggestion that you think, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> or if awesome. that's happened already, I don't know, right? Um, trying to think. Like the daughter with the blue wainscoting. Yeah. Like that was a. That Catch was you off guard, way. right? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. it turns out beautiful. Yeah. That's what I like about their their mindset. Their, their kids, like they totally have the whole world is an oyster kind of thing. And that's how they look at things. Yeah, they're not in the box yet. No, no, they're not. And then unfortunately, we as tradespeople, we kind of get enclosed in a box the longer we're into it. But it's nice to keep on trying to go back to it. Yeah. Yep. That original source, right? For sure. So, okay, so you got you got employees going on? You got sub-trades? Or how do you uh, work the business? Just right now, one employee. I've always kind of done the, the sidekick. I'm like Batman a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I have one employee now, Zade. Shout out to Zade. He's going to listen to this. <laughs> um, How'd you find him? Oh, gosh. it's Because uh, that's always a challenge for all of us, right? Yeah. When we find a good one. Sabrina's uh, hairdresser's son. It's And he's like related to my stepdaughter. He's cut, it's it's very that's a big family tree something yeah, or some connection we're, we're connected somehow okay let's, let's just say that i guess <laughs> and then he had some experience or he was just hungry um uh, he's done uh not mold removal what is it remediation remediation, remediation so. uh, a lot Which, of respect out for those people that do it yeah that stuff's it's tough but you know what i've kind of realized in renos it's like i always tell people all the time the difference between New construction and renos is mice poop and mold. Like other than that, it's the same. <laughs> it's true. It's the same thing. <laughs> Pretty much. So uh, it's nice to have someone who uh, who knows what they're doing on that front. When we, I mean, 
the job we're on right now today, we we pulled up. There's black mold underneath the shower. So it's like, all right, suit up. Let's go. Was it hairy? No. Hairy black mold? No, no, no. It wasn't that bad. Okay. So it wasn't there that long, I guess. But it's still, yeah, it's still bad if it goes airborne. Yeah, for sure. Just protect yourself. And, and we got to be because I think a lot of people in their younger years, in the 20s, contractors, trades people, everything, they think they're invincible. Oh, yeah. They think nothing can hurt them. You'd yep. be surprised, man. You'd be very, very surprised. I'm feeling it now, even as like 30, 31. Feeling what? The aches and pains or? Well, yeah, sure. But uh, not <laughs> not that. I mean, like wearing a mask and stuff. Like if I if I do a demo and there's plaster, it's like I used to be a young guy and just do it. And like whatever. Be on nothing. The road, you're like getting out. Yeah, I know. You blow your nose and yeah. half of it comes out. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. But nowadays, like the the morning after when I wake up, it's almost like a hangover. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, like a, like a heaviness on yeah, your chest or just, something. And, and you're like, okay, this can't. It's not right. And so developing that self-awareness, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not invincible. And this stuff is either slowly killing me or at least kicking my butt. Yeah. So yeah. trying to tell that to every new guy that, hey, because, yeah, you're right. The 19-year-olds, the they got the, you know, the human growth hormone gene still kicking. Yeah. They, They're invincible. They don't feel it yet. <laughs> uh, they, they will eventually. But it's nice that I, I'd actually like to say that. The younger generation of today listens to me, or not listens to me, listens to my age group more than me at their age back then. I didn't really listen to the elders back then. I would, I would agree to an extent. I think it depends on the, on the, the way that communication happens. True. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. I've seen uh, a lot of older guys that are more able to be more respectful. Like, yeah, you can connect with young people pretty quick, but... Uh, uh, a lot of these old guys, it's like, uh, it's all borderline verbal abuse. You know what I mean? You got to go through. And I remember when I was 14, I worked at a road construction company or 15. No, no, no. Sorry. That's like, just mandatory yelling. Oh, yeah. That's all like, it is. You mandatory. learn a whole slew of new words yeah. from those guys. And I remember going home and wanting to cry. And my mom's like, you got to grow a thicker skin. <laughs> and then I'm just sitting there like, well, you know, it's such but a this weird... is what he said. Yeah. It's such a weird thing to say to a kid, too, though. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he called me an F and idiot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm bored, moron, yada, yada. Am I? Am I really mm -hmm. one? Like, exactly. what's... Yeah, you and question. she's just like, you got to get a tougher skin, son. And I'm like... Meanwhile, you need you need comebacks. That's what you need. You need to get back there and just get ready for one to hit you. And then you just return it. And then they'll yeah. be like, whoa, what's going on there? Uh, when I was younger, those guys were like three times my size. <laughs> I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> nah, they're big bears. They're big babies. That's all they are, man. So they, they're, it's their way of teaching. That's all it is, right? Yeah, it's it's tough, though. Even Even for me, like I... On all of my employees, I've never called anybody stupid. I've never called no. anybody a moron. And I've never never screamed or even really raised my voice ever. You know, um, it's just something that I've experienced a lot. I'm like, I hate that. Like, it's just, you know, it's work. Like, why you got to go through something like that at work? And even if someone messes up, it's, you know, costs you money, sets you back. It There's two ways to handle it. Yeah, it's like, do you really feel better just letting your anger out and scream at the guy or call him names? It's yeah. like, you know, that's how you lose employees real quick, too. Yeah, because okay. they don't want to be around that no, environment. They don't want to be around that I, I, I started learning probably in my late 30s, early 40s that if I met somebody and there was a negativity around them or just the way they were as a person, I would distance myself from them. I just didn't. I, I finally realized, Tom, that 
I had a choice whether or not to be around that or not be around that. Yeah. So as you get older, I want to be around more people that are positive and, and interesting and actually have solutions instead of just constantly reaffirming problems. Yeah. And that's construction. But those old timers, those guys, they're just about hammering, hammering, hammering. And then maybe a lesson here and there, like that kind of idea. But it's going to be interesting to see us when we get to that age and that younger generation is there and we want to speak to them. Are we going to be that same person? Maybe because they, they might be even softer. We're soft as a generation, I guess. But it, yeah, you're right. As time goes on, the, the differences really start to stand out. There is that gap, though. And this has been a constant theme on the show where we've got so many of the older trades gearing up to leave. And then you've got so fewer younger trades coming into the business because there's so much competition regarding career options. Yeah. How are we supposed to kind of fill that void? I know here in Canada, we're trying to get our politicians to kind of present great ideas. It's almost an oxymoron to get politicians <laughs> to present great ideas. So it's like, I think we're also, we have to fend for ourselves. We have to figure out how we're going to do that. So when we do find a gem, somebody that's really interested and passionate in the industry, we want to teach them, we want to educate them, we want to bring them in so then they can strive to be like us or if not better. I think a lot of it too, any of these people uh, looking to hire and they run their own construction business, they really got to take a look in the mirror and, and understand like, hey, am I going to be a good manager? Because I've had probably about six to seven employees and I would say three or four really stood out. Every single employee, I learned something, you know, even after they left or they quit or they got fired or whatever it is after that would happen. It's like you, you can sit there and reflect on the days you're working alone after that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I recognize that I made a lot of mistakes as a manager, for sure. But that's the business, right? Like we're so as tradespeople, we're so particular about our skill set and how we want to build and we want to educate ourselves and we'll go to courses we'll do this we'll do all kinds of research or everything but we don't research just personality yeah and just getting along with a team effort because construction is not a lone individual career well a lot of guys i've talked to and i'm sure you've talked to they they have an employee and then that person after say one or two years starts their own business and they like just throw their hands up and they're like it's been such a waste of my time training that guy yada 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 and it's like well think about what you've learned as a manager in that two years yeah you learned how to train somebody from nothing to something to the point he can start his own business yeah. like really don't forget and, about that value and i i have uh, previous employees a good friend of mine connor he runs his own business now. And it's like he spent, I think it was close to two years with me. Um, we parted ways. He started his own business and I pick up the phone all the time. Like if I'm putting a beam in or I you know, need an extra set of hands as someone I know that can jump in and be in sync with me. Yeah. And he shows up, he gives me a good rate. You know, We have that you know, camaraderie and, and understanding. He helps me out. But it's like, it's great to have that relationship. And it's like, if I just had a, a, sh a shit mentality and looked at it like, oh, he's two years wasted, you know what I mean? And I never pick up the phone and call him and try and. You're you missing know. out. Yeah, and exactly. it's the same thing with him. He'd be missing out too. Well, and, and on top of that too, it's like, you know, if he had worked with me, he's, his ceiling is with me wherever I am, yep. my knowledge. It's like when he's out on his own, he's learning things that I, I would have never been able to teach him. 
and then he's showing up and he's able to put that forth you know i think the guy's done more trim than i have yeah so it's like well i mean to all you young guys out there can you imagine if you work two years with yourself, two years with a person like me, two years with somebody else, and all of a sudden you left on good terms and everything was fine and you guys can actually throw work at each other. Can you imagine what kind of a person he's going to turn into, what kind of a tradesperson he's going to turn into as a result of that? Yeah, um, I think you get a good result. I mean, I think everyone has this ideal vision of like everyone under one roof and there's a lot of companies that can achieve that, I find. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very difficult, and the the leadership has to be the key point there. I think too many guys are too. I wouldn't even put egotistical. They're just, you know, they want to be the head of the snake. I there, I I find it, and I think I'll point it at the younger trades. Is that I think too many of them want to get to the top too quickly. Yeah. I think they need to learn a few more lessons before they get to that peak i think there's a lot of impatience with yes. this generation and i think uh, like social media you see every social media that comes out it's it's faster quicker and now it's i, I can't even look at these tiktok things they're so fast i'm like having a seizure it's it's dopamine overload and you're just wondering well okay that's not reality that's what i find so when i'm looking at construction tiktok i'm like that's not that's not how it is really on a real job site i don't understand how this is so presented so quickly yeah and i i have a like a helper like i said and i couldn't even imagine half the time setting up cameras and doing that <laughs> stuff like <laughs> don't worry tom it's all kind of fading out i've had conversations with a lot of people about how they're not even focusing on it i've heard so many trades recently have actually just deleted the app now because they just found it it's more of a distraction they're talking specifically about ig but now yep. they're all trying to get over <clears throat> to tiktok because i guess everybody's on tiktok Five years from now, it's going to be something else. Five years from then, it's going to be something else. But everything's just going to be motivated on instant kind of gratification right then and there. And then you're going to forget about, oh, wait a minute. I totally forgot. I've got a, my own life that I want to be enjoying. It's just really weird that they don't understand that point. I'm shocked at how many people are in this industry and try to jump into monetizing on IG and TikTok. Because they can. I guess so, but... I still, I look at it and some of the stuff these people are teaching, you're just like sitting there and you're like, all right, that's going to crack in about like three months, <laughs> like, you know. But if you try to speak up, you're... Oh, you're, you're the hate train. Exactly, exactly, but right? Erskine can miseducate like thousands of people. And uh, It's funny that you're bringing that up. Well, it's funny, it's not funny, but it's so true. It's just how it is. And it's just coming from a guy who got into social like 10 years ago, so in his early 40s and got in and been in it and watched it kind of become what it's become. It's just funny how I just reverted right back to wanting to be on site and just doing it the way it is. And, and it should be done. Not quickly. Yeah, I have some appreciation for social media. Like I've met some some nice people and I've actually gotten some jobs and I'm like I'm not very social media active, I would say, like uh, the odd time I throw something up. But it's it's so hard for me to remember to do so. But but uh, you can cultivate some decent relationships on there and actually have decent con uh, conversations and connect with people that are like minded. That stuff's phenomenal. But the rest of the 98 percent is just total shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm not disagreeing with you, man. But it, it's it's like anything, I guess. In moderation, it was good in the beginning. It was a sign for good 
you know like let's let's do proud let, let's get this industry let's get more people and that's what it was but but then it quickly became a selfish platform where everybody just like well hang on a sec there's monetization that i can do here yeah i can figure out a way that i can do a post and make a g note off a post instead of me swinging a hammer and trying to make a g note in a day yeah. and i'd rather do a post that takes me an hour like that's 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 where the mindset and when you can clearly see it you're kind of rattling your head a little bit but i mean kudos to everybody that's made a lot of money off of the back of construction good for you it's great right but i wouldn't consider you one of us that's how i look at it yeah i i they can stand over there I yeah their thing um, i wanted to figure out because i know you've done the the schluter course and and you've done uh, all kinds of tiles interesting bathrooms and what do you like what's your focus on where do you want to be have you built a house yet no you want to tackle that monster well that goes back to where i came from like uh not having um, my own experience in learning things like I starting my own business even I look at myself I'm like I put a ceiling on myself because I will venture into like new things and uh, and put myself out there and, and take on risk by learning something but like it's I'm always kind of a baby step person always with that I would love to build a new house I will probably do it for myself before I do it for anybody else as you should yeah but yeah, that's definitely the goal. Like I'm, I'm up from up north now. I moved from Cambridge to Mount Forest, which is north of Arthur, north of Fergus, north of Guelph. It's, it's oh, okay, there. all right. And uh, I would love to buy like some real estate in the next probably ten years and try to sever and build. Hopefully, it's nice to see because I've been doing my rounds and and I, I I'll meet a lot of different tradespeople, and it's nice that I think in the last two years of COVID BS going on. I've seen a lot of tradespeople tackle their own personal projects, and it's very rewarding to hear tradespeople use their skills for themselves. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, my business is different from yours. You guys, you're with Hardcore Rentals, yeah. you do some phenomenal stuff. Thanks, man. And you, you get to... Uh, I get, get to mess around. You get to mess around, get let off the leash, so to speak, right? <laughs> so um, it was nice for doing like my own house, like uh, even my bathroom, just like figuring out, okay, like bathing my kids, having the wand, being able to pivot and then pull the drawer open and get the bath cloths, you know, the, the smooth sided toilet because those boys are like don't know how to aim <laughs> aim at all, you know, soft close everything. You pretty much can engineer the space to like, hey, this is more comfortable for the entire family. Yeah. And, and the benefit of it is, is huge. So, Do you know about the fly effect? Uh, no. For toilets? Okay. I, I'm trying to... Don't, I, it's online somewhere. I think this would have been maybe the 90s or early 2000s. I, I'm not sure if it was the Netherlands or if it was Germany. Public ret urinals. So they had that problem where guys go in and urine goes everywhere but the urinal right so yep. some advertising agency had this brilliant idea to put a fly sticker inside the urinal oh and what it did was it prompted all the men to aim for the oh, fly yeah. and they always got the fly and then they had far fewer spillage <laughs> so i'm wondering with your boys maybe put a fly sticker in the maybe toilet and fly, see yeah. if that kind of might motivate them to hit the target right i'll see if the, the wife will go for that but she'll probably probably go crazy with it <laughs> no because it's in there and you're like i want to get rid of the fly i want to get but but there's no urine on the floor <laughs> that's too funny man but uh yeah going to back to what you said the 
No, I haven't jumped into building a house. Pretty much, I'm just at the stage where I'm getting really comfortable doing structural alterations and working with engineers. Like, uh, I'm really intrigued with that. I love the planning process, like uh, swapping out beams and stuff like that, supporting walls. So that's kind of where I'm like. How was that first one that you ever did? Sweaty, huh? Well, I always did like, you know, like headers or, you know, the odd like a 16 foot LVL or something like that. Um, this past year we did like a 24 foot. Um, How uh, high? What kind oh, of a beam? 14 or it no? It was like 13 inches high, but it was into a, uh, it was like a 120 year old uh, barn like framed house. It was really odd. And we had to slide it in the window, had two chain falls to lower it down because it was uh, just two inches shy of foundation wall to foundation wall. Tight. And then we cut it, pocketed it, and we, we strapped it with, uh, with uh, lumber, whatever, two by 12s, and uh, hung all the old uh, floor joists to it. The beam was like 1,300 pounds, bottom lifted to pocket in and we couldn't cut the floor open and put like a hoist up top so uh, three three mechanical lifts like six guys just lower or the like, genie lifts right and just yeah, cranking yeah. them up and, and we were like 200 pounds with three of them we were like 200 pounds off of what their max weight limit was rated for so we were all like oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh it went off without a hitch it went great and but yeah the the that's the stuff now that i find like my passion goes boom like i'm interested in that as soon as they say we want to get rid of this wall here you start looking at the ends they're trying to figure out how am i going to get the beam inside here yeah and and the planning that goes into it i'm definitely a planner in that sense so like coordinating with the engineer like for that one he had a specific shoring wall he wanted and it's like, well, we had to redesign the shoring wall because it was in the way of the footings he wanted poured. We had to redesign it for the, the lifts to get in. And then so it's it's just interesting to work together in that sense and like tackle those kind of things. But definitely like uh, building a house is, is on my list. It's it's just not high on the list right now. Like when my kids are a bit older. Yeah. When they can actually join in. Oh, I still got a one-year-old at home, so it's like... Yeah, a few more years. End of the day, I drive right home, and I'm holding a baby, so... <laughs> <laughs> the conversations with the engineers, though, you got to love them, huh? Like, just when you get along with them, and they're problem solvers, and then you're the <laughs> Some, extension. Sometimes they drive you crazy, and then other times, yeah. Like, uh, uh, there's one I really like, but he's, he's uh, going to be retiring soon, but... That's happening a lot of the engineers, man. They're all getting retired and you're wondering. I have yet to meet a a young engineer. Like when I say young, I think I have not worked with anybody younger than maybe 50. I I met uh, a young guy and he was recommended because the older guy was, uh, he was dealing with some medical issues and, yeah. and things went well with him, but he's like in the past five years, he's hopped to different company, different company. So it's like you're, you, you need someone that's like, once a year you can call and you know they're there right yeah. not like you call all oh, that person's not there you're like oh great <laughs> <laughs> well it's the ones i you know when i think of it now i'm a lot of the engineers that i think every engineer that i've worked with they've opened up their own firms they've gotten to that point where oh, it's really? their place right so then you call them and then you just got to get to them before they officially retire and say okay i'm done right but that's well into their 60s at that point yeah, I've always i I used a GM Blue Plan for a while, okay. just out of Guelph. There, uh, they have like three or four outfits: one in Owen Sound and Listowel, I think. But uh, but I use those guys. They're a bigger outfit. 
I like sticking with the bigger outfits. Usually there's someone that can like put the time to it, I find. A couple of times I've done some stuff with, you know, independent guys and whatnot, but um, they're usually busy and then they're managing a business. They're wearing too many hats for them to really come out and be just directly focused with you and stuff like that. So but, uh, I wonder if you, uh, I've never tried this, but I was like, maybe I should try this one day. Get a t-shirt on the back of the t-shirt. It says, are we going to over engineer today? <laughs> and see what they would say if that happens, right? <laughs> yeah, if you put your company logo on it too, <laughs> that'd be good. I don't know, because a lot of engine, and I guess rightfully so, they do it because you're dealing with, I guess, an older structure or even a contemporary structure, something from the 80s and 90s, and it was built a certain way with iJoyce or for dimensional lumber. Yep. And now every client comes in, get rid of this main wall that's load-bearing, taking yeah. the second floor structure, transferring over to the basement. There's a steel beam there, so now how do we solve that problem? And then yeah. there's the whole racking thing. and You're putting a post in the basement somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, yeah. exactly. So they got to figure out, okay, how do I do this? But it's based on principle of what they've seen before, what they've done before. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a project that was like built in 1875, and uh, we got to go for one more consult on it. But they're sliding in two beams and removing both supporting walls. But on top of that, we got to do that, and then the whole basement gets benched. So then we got to get the put the footings in get them down to the right bench height to the new height got to think about okay he's going to bench it is he going to go deeper with gravel and all that kind of stuff what does that do to the 18 footing? so your stone rubble foundation uh the one walls stone rubble wall we're taking out and the other one's a beam that's a challenge oh and we got to pocket them in to the foundation oh yeah yeah the engineers just saying like oh go ahead do that i'm like sitting there like all right well the only way to do it is like cut a hole in the foundation from the outside. The and one beam I got a solution slide it for. in, right? Yeah, which is always fun. It's by a window, so I can actually slide it in, slide it over. Yeah. The other one I gotta slide it in, get over the furnace water heater, and then get somehow pocketed. Are so. you always more of the mind? Because I've seen framers do it two ways, and I think lately I've seen them do it the easier way. So even if it's a triple or a double or whatever it is, they'll do one at a time and then install the next one and get it in. Or are you more of the mind to build the whole beam and get it in at one time? I mean, if it's an LVL, just, yeah, it's easier. You can just use manpower. You're not getting lifts and True. falls involved. But uh, with I-beams, like... It's yeah, heavy, man. Yeah, you're stuck with it. So. That's all it is. And we've done that. We've we've just man manned it up. That's all it was. And I'm like, this is heavy, man. Like, yeah, and... I mean, like, how many times do you do that without injury, right? That's so. the thing. It just takes one little thing to happen, and you're dealing with whatever, a 1,200-pound steel beam, and you're like, what if? What if? I don't want to deal with what oh. if. Yeah, I had um, a young guy call in on me when I was pouring the footings to this job, and I had to get it done because I had six guys there on the Monday, and it was, I think, a Saturday, and he called in. He's like, oh, I'm not coming in, and... Sure enough, I have to like pour. We were using bag concrete because we couldn't get a truck. So he calls in sick that day. Oh, I had to do 38 bags of concrete by myself. And it was like no mixer, just wheelbarrow. Just yeah. So that was brutal. But did he show up the next day? Uh, that was like the, the straw for me. Yeah, uh, pretty much. I, I, I needed the help on the Monday. But after that, it was like, all right, forget it. I've <laughs> yeah. suffered already. I'll, I'll handle Monday. No problem. Yeah. And it's like even I'm 30 one so uh it's 
you know, I can still do that. And there's part of me like, yeah, I can do that. But then it's like, oh, my shoulder's clicking now. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Cause <laughs> so it's like, you can't, you can't do that to yourself too many times and, and do it sustainably. So a sustainability for this is. is I got a, te- I got a text from Jason from the Keystone contractor. And uh, he's like, I've been laid up for the last day and a half. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've been just on the couch, man. I just, I, I can't move. I'm like, what did you do, man? And then he shows me some pictures of all this tree, all this stuff that he was cutting down and prepping up and getting it ready. Yeah. And, and he's he's my age. And all of a sudden, he's probably his mind that day was probably thinking, oh, I'm 20 years old. I could totally do this. Yeah. But but then he kind of did a little bit of stretching and Cairo and everything like that. But like, it's, it's a perishable skill, Tom. It's a perishable skill. You got to be careful, man. I, I had built a gym in my basement, which I haven't been using because there's just no time in the day. I say that, but there is but I'd rather snag whatever sleep I can with the baby. <laughs> well, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. But I do use it for like physiotherapy. Like I'm like always going in there, stretch, figuring out how to stretch out because it's like, like today we put down like 200 square feet of Dietra, the Dietra heat and ran the cables. I don't care what they say in those videos. They're like, Oh, this is, this is, it's great. not, I'm like sweating just like, <laughs> and on days like today, like what's been going on. No, it's oh. hard. I wore these because they had the knee pads built in yeah. and I'm like below the waist. I'm medium rare at this point. Like I'm just like, <laughs> it's been a terrible day. It just adds up because your body's in a certain position that is not naturally uh, adapt to. Right. And it, you can't compare it to office people sitting in a chair in front of a computer all day. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's different that way. And and trust me, I've been lacking on the gym as well too. And then today I had this brilliant idea when I wanted to, got into the gym at four, I was like going, you know what? I don't have a door on my gym, but I'm going to put a door and I'm just going to put a sign on the door saying this door is not going to unlock until you finish your fucking routine. And that's it. And give me the mindset to stay in there, because once you get in there, that's when you can actually do the work. Yeah. Right. That's the problem is that getting in there. And then if you see an open door, you get out as quickly as possible. Yeah, I try to try to work out the odd time and like with the kids and stuff, they're running in, they want a video or whatever. <laughs> and then the baby's crying. You're like, all right, well, I'll, I'll stop my set and I'll go. And then you just don't go back. <laughs> do, do the uh, do the Chris Hensworth workout. He's got a new routine, which I think is total BS because it's not what he did to get his body for the movies. But he does a um, like a high energy He'll do just a bar. So he'll do the 45-pound bar. Oh, yeah. And he'll do uh, reverse curls. Then he'll do overhead presses. And then he'll do tricep uh, pull-downs over his head. And then he'll grab it and uh, do uh, lunges, all of them on one leg, then the other leg. And then he'll grab it again, hold it, and he'll do squats. Then he does it all over again. He does 10 reps of that. And actually, that wipes you out, man. That stuff's like, it's healthier almost. Like, if you're just doing the bar lightweight, like... I got into powerlifting like probably two years ago. And if you get into powerlifting, you're getting into physiotherapy every week because that's what it is. It's like you work so out much stress until on, you break something yeah. and then you got to go fix it and then you work out again. And it's it's one of those things I realize. I'm like, all oh, these guys are here. They're huge, right? Able to move move huge amounts of weight. But then like... They do it until they're broken. Yeah, they're broken and they're hurting themselves. So I would say, yeah, lighter is better and just getting the movement in and like actually that healthy movement of, you know, stretching, getting the blood flowing. Uh, There's a good book called Foundations. Um, It's actually a really good book. You can find it on Amazon and it's all about a new technique on stretching. 
and I've told it to a lot of towel guys that I know, like guys that are having little aches and pains here and there. And I was like, these stretches are designed to make your body stretch a certain way that you're not used to. So that's why it helps it, right? It's kind of um, a hybrid of like yoga and this new okay. technique from these two doctors from uh, California that came up with it. But it's actually, and that's what I've told everybody, you get older, stretching is like, stretching was important when I was younger. Mm-hmm. We used to just do like you, like the power lifting the heavy, let's just put on another plate, put on another plate. Oh, yeah. And then you're struggling and you get the spot and you're like weakling and all of a sudden, oh, you can't, you can't, I can't even scratch my back. I can't yeah. even put my shirt on, right? But then you really realize it's not about that, man. It's just about stretching it like a certain way and getting a certain amount of weight, finding that, that happy zone, right? That's all it is, man. Well, yeah, and even I see it all the time with the young guys on site. Like, they're always, you know, going to the gym or working out. And I have a good laugh because we'll do, like, demo day or something. And they're ripping up tile. And I remember this one young guy worked for me. And uh, we were tearing up tile. And it was just uh, the last staple down. So I bet him, like, a $2 raise. I was like, you get those eight tiles up before I get my eight tiles up. And I'll give you a $2 raise. And I'm like way out of shape compared to this kid. This kid can just, he's an energizer bunny, right? Yeah. yeah. Good kid. I let him, I just stand there and start sipping water and let him go because I know if he goes two rows in, my two rows are going to be a hell of a lot easier to attack <laughs> from the corner. And then I can just blitz him at the end yeah. when he's tired. You don't need to be the strongest guy in the room, I guess. Smartest guy in the room is all you got to be. Uh, yeah, it helps for sure. It's problem solving, man. Makes me want to ask you, like, we have this construction bone to pick. Anything in the industry that you kind of just bothers you that's constantly coming up? I hate to say it this way, but it's, you're probably going to love this. But uh, the way stuff works with designers kind of bugs me. Like, uh, In what respect? The hierarchy? What I was going to say is designers, like... Uh, doing projects with them and sometimes like they're in charge and it's like i can put a project together a budget together like within 20 minutes with my eyes closed and they've been planning this for months and like the amount of on-site changes and what you know the budget for the client and you're just sitting there you're like how did you not think of any of this you know what i mean like that's what's frustrating blinders Yeah, but then, like, it affects everybody. It affects my schedule. It affects the client's budget and their schedule. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the bone to pick, I I guess I would say, is, like, if you're a designer, get your your shit together and make sure that I can show up and get that done, smash it out. Well, it's nice that when you do find a designer that has done the homework, right? So you've got whether that be a PDF that's got it all broken down and they've actually gone through everything. That's amazing. But the majority, and I agree with you that a lot of them are not like that. They've kind of rehashed what they've already done before and they've kind of mixed match and put it all together and given it to you. But then there's missing components and you're like, hang on a sec. There's like, well, how do I do this? How do I solve this? And then you got to get them on site to discuss this. They don't want to come on site to discuss it. And then because they have to charge a client, but I'm on site and I'm not going to charge a client. There's that whole, I know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, it's just, it seems like a disconnect. If you want to be a designer, you should work two years in construction. And that's that should be the prerequisite. I don't. <laughs> do you know any designers that have done two years in construction? No, it was more of a joke. But No, uh, I totally I understand that. I got the punchline. <laughs> I do I do know that there's some guys like BCN, uh, BCIN, BCIN guys. That, uh, but BCIN is just you write a test. Yeah, but those guys, I've, I've met like uh, the first 
first young guy, Connor, who worked for me, he was from, uh, I think it was Humber College, and he was uh, went to school for his becoming a designer, and he wanted to get construction experience. There you go. And, and that was great for him, obviously, but uh, it's like you see these designers that haven't, have zero understanding of what it takes on site and what's actually possible and, and what's, like, I'm okay to push the limit, but I'm like, hey, you know, if, if the door, if you got 30 inches of space from the door to the wall, don't bring me a 32 inch shower base <laughs> and tell me that's going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> so like little things like that, they just forget or they just, they don't. Uh, yeah. And it's not every designer. It's no. Just, what I'm just saying is like, you know, you could say the same thing to clients when they, you know, the, I just like that, you know, if I'm planning a reno, if I'm in control of materials. Which you are and you're doing, you have to organize that i don't have those issues so now when i'm walking onto a site where someone else is in control you know i don't want to have those issues and if if they're not able to see that stuff i hate to say it but i should be behind the wheel at that point like i don't you know take a step back and then you can and it just sounds i don't want to sound condescending but they can work under my umbrella and let me deal with those issues because I find a lot of the time they're not dealing with it. They're just kind of letting everybody take the brunt of it and kind of turning a blind eye as it's happening. Well, in all fairness, Tom, like to be honest, like once the designer has gotten everything all approved by the client and they're all happy with where they're going to go with it, that's handed off to the contractor. They take care of it. But if there's concerns that come up because things may have been missed, a designer should not be offended by it. They shouldn't be insulted. Uh, like, well, why are you pointing all these things out to me i'm like well these are missing letters you know what i mean yeah. and and vanna can't turn the word around so i need to figure out exactly how this is going to work and i can't sign off on it because i'm the tradesperson on the contractor and i need you to do it so they should just step up and do it just get well, on site any any designer i've worked for not a lot of them like this but i invoice client directly and i do my budget with them direct i they, i say you can write up and say you make a percentage off of me i really don't give a shit yeah but but i'm that's a smart way I'm to do it man. with the client and then that way when when things are changing i'm just telling the client and and yeah you kind of get this two heads to the snake thing yeah. happening but yeah. i mean you just try to have the conversation with everybody at the same time. It's a funny world, eh? Are they still designers doing 24-inch bathroom doors? Or is uh, that the architects? I'm, I'm putting one in, but it's a water closet, so it's okay. a different. <laughs> no, but that's a different, that's a different, but I mean, I just, I never understood coming from, I guess, I'm an 80s kid, born in the 70s, but I grew up in the 80s, that bathrooms were always 24 inches, and I never understood yeah, that. that's, that's weird. It's me. just, but I, I think bathroom should be like minimum 30, if not 32. So then you can have a big space, but I guess that turns into, well, it's going to have to be a pocket door and go, then you got to build for the pocket door. I like, well, people love pocket doors. So let's build for it. I hate repairing pocket doors. I'll tell you that much. Like I'm all, all for them. If it's a good one with like a soft close. I, excellent. Was, I was just about to say who's, who's paying for that half the time. You no can't put to. a crappy pocket door hardware set up because what's going to happen is that door is going to, not the door is going to fail. The track's going to fail. The wheels are going to fail. Something's going to fail. Yep. And then you're cutting open a wall to, there was a condo in uh, Cambridge, and we got contracted to like repair seven pocket doors. It was like a 24-unit condo, and and all of them were matte black painted, and we had to take all the frames off and rehang them and fix them up. 
and then get a painter in to repaint all these. Same problem for every door? Yeah, and they didn't want to like tear the drywall out, put a new thing in. It was just like make them functional again. And then I'm like, all right, well, we're just going to get a phone call back probably like in two years. But because they were, you made them work, but they're going to fail again. You solved the problem, but it's like, you know, there's probably just going to be another problem. Do you like doing the high rise stuff? Nope. I don't like it, man. I know some people do. No, like I, I am pretty personal guy, like personable, I guess. Um, I, I like the relationship between clients. I, I feel, feel like you're the opposite or have you changed in these days? Or no, what? no. What, like the relationship with the clients? Yeah. I, like dealing I liked, with the clients. I, I love dealing with the clients. I love dealing with architects and engineers and designers as long as everybody works as a collective. Yeah. If okay. you try to put me in my place because you think I'm low man on the totem pole, mm-hmm. Then we're gonna have a little bit of resistance here because guess what? We're all on the same level on that pole. If yeah. we're our objective is to build a house and creates a home for a client, then the engineer, the architect, the designer, and the contractor and all the tradespeople, the extension of the contractor, we're all on the same level, man. Yep. We have to be. And if you start telling me that I'm not just because my clothes are dirty and you're wearing steel toe stilettos on site or crocs or whatever you want to wear. Like, that doesn't make you a better person than me, right? Plus, I actually, I actually want you to be on site so we can have a conversation at the task at hand. Anybody who's contributing to make the rental better, always the objective of the client, I'm on the same page. I'd say, yeah, you're doing, you're also doing larger stuff to be yeah. too. Like, yeah. I, I do mid-range a lot. Like, I do, I do a lot of bathrooms, double bathrooms, triple bathrooms, like basements and structural stuff, like I said, and the odd whole home, like overhaul and whatnot. But uh, a lot of the time, the homeowners are, like, living in the house. So, like, we got the air cleaners, dust extractors, you know, zipping it up so so it's out of the... It's a pain in the ass, but, I mean, you can't kick people out if you're just doing a bathroom. Yeah. Right? And you do one bathroom at a time. And I, and I, so I guess it goes right back to the clients because I respect the clients. I respect the industry. So if they, they, they see that... I don't, I don't know, as much as clients or designers may think that the contractors, the tradespeople are the grunts of the industry, mm-hmm. they're also the ones that are going to get it done. And so that's why I, I like having a conversation with the clients because we'll be demoing something and I love that it's an older home. And then I'll, I'll just say, listen, we're on the second floor. There's a roof here. I can actually peek this out if you guys want. It's not that crazy of an idea. And then they're like, okay, that would make it feel bigger. And then I'll give them a scope and they'll sign off on it and then we'll do it. And then they're like, we love it. It's great. Yeah. So I like that kind of interaction and I'm there with them. And for the most part, it would be the clients. And I guess most of the time it would be the wife and she would have a good friend and they're kind of conversing back and forth on what ideas she would do. But then let's throw it to Manny and his team and then see what they think. And then we'll present the ideas back and we'll go, sure. It's totally doable, right? So I like those relationships. I just don't like I'm the designer and I'm more important than you because you're a tradesperson. Yeah, yeah. I think when it comes to most clients, like when it comes to the vetting process, I'm pretty picky, I would say. Like if I don't mesh personality-wise with you or I feel off-put for any reason, like I'm very one to kind of be like, hey, you know, all due respect, I'm not really interested. Like it is what it is. This is after the phone call or this is like during the estimate, like when I go and meet people, I got, I always say I got a good gut feeling for people. So it's like when I go there, if I get a bad gut feeling or 
you know, they say something or, you know, the odd something time, comes up. You just don't mesh with certain yes. people sometimes. Yeah. Or like if the project like uh, in Cambridge, I was getting a bunch of people like wanting to take these nice family homes and make in a basement apartment and legal. Yeah. But uh, I would, I don't do stuff without permits anymore. Yeah. I mean, as much as a pain in the ass they can be. It's no, no. Like, when I say legal, I mean, it's just, there's, there's two yeah. ways that you could still get away with a basement apartment. You can make it and not make it legal and then, and get away with it. But then there's all, and it still have the permits. Yep. It's just like legal involves sound and fire and then proper egress and then secondary entrance, things like that. So yeah, a lot of these people just like, it's a nice family home and then they want to just chop and screw it and make it into like, that's oh, not the way house hacking. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, you know, it's, it's a shame really. It's like a nice house that's been built. And those are the people like where it's like, I go to the site and I'm like talking to them and I'm like, ah, I don't want this one. You know, I've walked into those. I've walked into somewhere. They're like, we want to make it a legal basement apartment. Our budget is $20,000. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not the person that's going to do this, man. It's amazing too. Like how many people, when you first go to give them an estimate, they sit there and you're like, okay, well, well what's your phone number? What's your budget? And they, they, they hold it back like it's a poker hand all of a sudden. They're like, whoa, 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 you tell me. And yeah. Like, all right, well, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, it's true. And it's good that you're doing that because a lot of guys, when they're younger, they'll just do the job regardless and take it as a paycheck. And they don't realize that you can actually stay at home and make more money, not do the job. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, they can cost you some money sometimes. That's sure. why. So you got to be careful. You got, And it's true. Not everybody gets along with everybody. So that client might not be the right client for you. Maybe you know somebody else that it might be ready right for there. And renovations are weird because like you're in people's houses like uh, for, you know, two to six weeks at a time. And you're going to see that cycle with that person of when they're they're angry. You're going to see them, you know, when they're sad and, and all of a sudden um, you got to be able to handle that. You got to have some emotional bandwidth if you're doing this kind of job. I feel like uh, there's certain days I don't have it, and I'm like, oh, I'm fed up with this. <laughs> you're not the only one, Tom. Trust me, man. You're not. Like, yeah, you're right. You get there in the morning, and then you got their morning routine down pat. You got their lunch routine down pat. You got their evening routine down pat. You basically know everything about this family, and you're like, oh, no, I need to get out of here. I just totally need to get out of here. I got to get, get back into my own life. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it's tough like i mean if, if you have a roommate you live with for like a month and a half you're gonna get on each other's nerves that's for sure so it's, it's i've never i've never deal. heard it called like a renovation roommate is what it becomes right i always make the joke like we're moving out on the last day because we're loading up all these tools <laughs> and taking everything down and giving. we're moving out we're being evicted yeah pretty much we're getting out until they call you back to do something else yeah hopefully right <laughs> what are some of the things that you haven't built yet that you're kind of salivating to get your hands on i would say the house is definitely a big one for me there's some shower ideas you did one like i'm going to do it on my own house probably in the next two years with the curved bench or curved niche i want to do yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a curved uh, bench you've you know, got to sacrifice uh you'll have to double that wall yeah so i, I did it with a two by four wall but for me to create the curve, I had to build another wall in front of it. And that's where the curve went. Yeah. That's still one of my favorites. And, and lots of clients have actually referenced that one. And, and, and we, we tried to do it what we can do it. And I like doing that. I've done the curve on the bottom there. So then you don't have a corner on the shower. I like that a lot, too. I mean, it, it only works with the mosaics. Yeah. So you got it, you'll live in mosaic land. But in all fairness, I think that slabs have been 
overtaking too many ideas. And I, I mean, I guess it works because, you know, you get a whole slab right on a shower and you just make the holes perfect for the plumbing. Yeah. And it's easy to clean. I've never been a fan. Even like these whole wall, one slab kind of I get deal. tired of looking at it after a while. Yeah. Like I've seen that curved one. I saw it recently. And that one's probably about five or six years old. And I saw it recently. And I was like, it still gives me the same kind of feeling that I had when I left it. Yeah. So you did that one. And then uh, I don't know if you follow E-Tile. Uh, he's out of California. Tile guy. Guys just mint work. What did he end up doing? He did it with a bench. So I wanted to do it with a bench, and then on the other side of the shower, have it go into a curved niche. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Be pretty cool. And he did it with, with a mosaic of some sort, uh, right? He did a penny tile. Yeah, it looked good. It looked sharp. You know, a lot of designers don't like penny, but I think pennies are nice, man. I think they're a nice tile that should come back. Yeah, I like penny tiles. I like the New York style uh, where it's like the black and the white. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of the first time. You know, Pico. So it's like a pizza place, uh, kind of like a franchise. You can kind of get in there and make your own pie, and it's oh, okay. it's like fifteen bucks. They're franchising everywhere, right? So, uh, and the reason I bring it up is because the first time I walked into Pico, they're probably about four years old or something like that. It's kind of cool. It's like fifteen bucks. You get your whatever pizza. You can put as many tops as you want. Oh, they save on labor too, eh? Oh, it's so simple, man. <laughs> so simple. But the, their their counter is penny rounds. Okay. And it's got a curve on it. And whenever I, I've been in, maybe three or four of them. And it just bugs me that it's not done properly. Like oh, you don't have a curve. Like when I did the curve, I actually built the jig out of plywood to oh, scrape yeah, the mix. Scrape and, it, yeah. and so I can get a perfect curve. And then once I did the mix, I let it dry. And then I put the penny rounds on it. And I was making sure I was not getting an, an octagon curve. Yep. I was getting a proper curve. Like yeah. you, you had to find the right crest, right? If, yeah, exactly. If that angle's <laughs> off a little bit, that so thing's the, and, 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 and that particular bathroom, I was actually not only doing an outside curve, but it was also going on an inside curve. Yep. So I had to make both of them dance, right? So I walk into Pico. It's like an octagon and it bothers the hell out of me, man. <laughs> and I'm always tempted to order my pie and then go to the person and go, listen, can I get the contractor's name that did this? Because I got a little yell bone to pick there. No, I don't want to yell <laughs> at him. I just want to find out what's going on. Because it must be the same person doing all the locations, right? So Yeah, but they're probably doing it at like oh, three bucks a square foot. I know, foot next and to nothing. And I didn't charge that. I charged a lot more than yeah, that. I would assume at least four or five dollars <laughs> a square foot. <laughs> nah, try a few teens, man. That's all it is. No, no, I'm always fascinated by like other things that you haven't tackled on and, and done. And like, there's always been a challenge. I've always wanted to do a walnut library. And I haven't done that yet. Yeah. I've always wanted to try to push certain things. And have you done heated walls before? I haven't done the heated walls yet. It's funny that you bring that up because Kelly out of Texas, that's how I first met her. She reached out to me way back in the beginning and she wanted to build a heated shower and her idea, which scared the hell out of me. She ordered some heat lamps from China and she wanted to put these heat lamps inside the shower. Yeah. And I said, Kelly, please don't do that. Like, I don't, that's just making me nervous. Just you putting like literally a burger heat lamp kind yeah. of thing. Right. And I said, first of all, there's no way that they're North American compliant. Right. I know. <laughs> the and stuff they, is in a wet area. And I'm like, you actually might get a sunburn while you're getting a shower. And she goes, well, that's the idea. I want it to be warm in there. And that's how I came up with the idea about putting Detra heat on the vertical. Yeah. And now through internal because i talked to a lot of the companies and i talked to schluter and they're like oh you can't mention this though this is a long time or so mm -hmm. like they've done that in germany yep and it works perfectly but esa won't allow it here they'll allow a bench the back of a bench now oh, okay. and i'm like at the point no i don't care like, I, first opportunity i get i'm putting detra vertically on the wall and i'm gonna put the cable in it my my that was my thought too is like uh 
a shower that all the walls are because you get in a shower and like you oh, touch I've been that you touch it, it's you, freezing <laughs> it's freezing yeah, and you're yeah. like if that was only heated man. and that's why people want big showers is they're nicking the tile and they're like they're screaming <laughs> so they want it's more true. space the, the bigger the shower the more the cold air is going to be inside that shower yep. and it's true it makes it cold so you're really warm under the hot water but then as soon as you get out of the way and you touch the tile you're freezing right yeah and i just tell people listen how much do we love heated floors nowadays we love them and then heated towels and then for everybody that i have one heated toilet seat oh, like yeah. I, I love a heated toilet seat in the dead of winter and you wake up and you sit down and you're like <sighs> you'd be parked there for a while that's <laughs> it because it's so warm and toasty right so i'm like going the shower walls have to be heated. i have a feeling you wrote a lot of uh social media posts of course i have <laughs> of course i have man you're sitting there and you're like oh i did my business a long time ago it yeah. doesn't matter right or in the morning you're getting it done and it's just peeing but like i'm too lazy to stand up and pee i won't hit the fly <laughs> you know what i mean there's no fly in mine but no I, there, there's always those kinds of ideas and i just recently did the countertop I, I just like we had an extra cable run and oh, was, okay so i actually put it on the counter on i, I put Dietra and embedded it put the, the cable inside of it and then put the stone slab right on top of it it worked i had a, a client that wanted a heated back of the bench and like they were already on the top end of their budget and what we just did was put like another handheld so they could spray it down and i'm like you know what like you really if you could get all the walls heated so anywhere you go it's just perfectly nice and warm feel like that's like a comfort level that oh man like people are gonna eat up for they're sure. gonna love it the other thing that i've seen people do i don't know if they've done it here or if they've done it in europe is get regular curdy probably like one inch curdy mm -hmm. and just got a trimmer and router it out a quarter inch line and oh, then okay. and just embed the cable right into the curdy because the the threshold on the foam is far greater than the actual threshold on the cable for heating the surface so you could do it that way as well and they don't let you do detra on the walls yet eh? not esa not doesn't let you oh it's not schluter it's esa they only inspect like eight percent of the time anyways <laughs> <laughs> i know but it's just their rules and since someone passed away in vancouver yep. and, and yeah, it was based on it was a faulty install to begin with uh, is that something with the, the sensors, sensors yeah. yeah so the sensors weren't properly installed and then the, i believe they weren't even connected so then when the person turned on the yeah, unit it kept, it kept on going because yeah. it didn't shut it down it didn't get to the sensor point right and then it was an elderly gentleman and he slipped and fell and then he couldn't even get up and he ended up getting third degree burns on it that's how yeah. hot it was right and that that's terrible when you it think is about totally it. But, but um i will say with esa like as a contract i'm not an electrical contractor obviously like i i show as much respect as i can but there's a lot of times i i get very frustrated with esa like they'll make you wait all day and then they send you like a message oh yeah we're gonna pass it without inspection and <laughs> and part of me goes i i'm a little bit angry you're paying them a fee it's like get your ass out here and look at this make sure that this guy's not slack and they they you know. and i i personally have a problem with the phone-ins man i personally have a problem with the inspectors uh, just phoning like the, the the trade the electrician will phone it in mm -hmm. And then describe what the work was done, and then the inspector signs off on it over the phone. And I'm oh, like, yeah. mm, because they're put on a certain list, so that electrician's actually a good guy. Well, and that's the thing too. Whenever an ESA doesn't inspect, like I, I take it upon myself and walk around. Like I don't know as much as an as an electrician does, but and believe it or not, there's stuff I found where I'm like. <laughs> You know, we just did an apartment and everything uh, recently and uh, reworked all the garage and stuff like that. 
and the old garage door opener still had a feed to it but it shouldn't have because we moved it and put another one so it was like okay well so who yeah that was just something that got missed at the end of the day right and i called my electrician you know and he's like oh I'll swing by and disconnect he jumped at it right like obviously but it's like that's the stuff um like it was a cable and it's it would have been drywalled in right if i didn't catch that so i mean there's a lot of opportunities when you're building and renovating on top of and you don't know what the last person did or how they left it and there's and there's been times we've been in where electricians are trying to chase and they're like man i can't find where this is going i have no idea but it's live i just don't know where it is and then how many holes can you put in there? How many holes you have to patch? It can be pulling a thread on the sweater sometimes. And I just had that experience. Like we were working on this house. It's like 1920 something. And it's like, holy shit. Like these guys just did bad reno on bad reno. Five layers of flooring. You're trying to rework the plumbing. But everywhere you tie into the rest of that isn't to code. So it's like, you're all right, it's bottlenecking here. Like, oh, do we And when this? the ESA comes in, you opened it. It's your problem now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they may, uh, like, yeah, it can be frustrating. It's a a little frustrating. It's funny. I I have a client who actually, um, they ended up selling their house and they bought another house. And they asked me to stop by just to take a look at the house, my thoughts. And and I gave them a heads up and I said, listen, there's a little bit of knob and tube. Just talk to your insurance. Oh, yeah. The homeowner that was selling was, no, 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 my insurance is perfectly fine, right? So, And then there was a, a few little minor structural things that I was suggesting that you guys should look at this and possibly fix it. And then there was just a dilapidated garage that needed to just be torn down in a brand new garage. So that's what they want to do. So ultimately, they ended up buying the house. Everything went through. Everything was fine. Then I got an email or I got, I got a text this week telling me, turns out insurance will not insure us and we're actually taking possession soon unless we change all the knob and tube yeah and then i started looking at the scope and and he goes well the previous owner said that his insurance was fine but apparently this insurance is not fine so they can't even move in now until they take care of this and i just said is knob and tube only in the garage or is in the house too and they go no no there's some of it and i I remember walking through in the basement seeing it in the joist in the basement so now it's a matter of us having to chase we're going to have to chase all the knob and tube lines take them out run new lines this is not an easy task. No, and, and it's not a cheap task. I've done that a couple times and like when you got a good crew of guys that can can handle that and know that replacement and like uh and and limit the amount of just drywall you're tearing out. It's yeah, like or sorry, in your case probably plaster. It's going to be pl- yeah. it's plaster, right? And you're going to have to cut chases and yep. vertical, horizontal, it's a two story then into the basement and you're going to have to everything's going to have to get fed back to the panel. Yeah. And that's a chop and screw job unless you start. And this is a finished house. This is a finished house, right? So, I mean, it's a finished house to the level that he did it. But I mean, it's going to be a challenge, and I've I've seen it done. It's it depends on how much knob and tube. But we've done it before where it was the whole house, and it was like a sixty thousand dollar bill just for that. How much? Sorry. Sixty. Oh wow, that was expensive. Just for that. Right, because the amount of chasing that we had to do to get to the panel and then run everything properly. Oh, I guess you're talking about drywall repair and stuff like that. That too. okay? Because I was gonna say like the last. Oh, time you're, you're I did cutting it, out. You're cutting out a good yeah. 12, 14 inch cavity. Yeah, painting, and, yeah, and you, you're figuring yeah. like, okay, what's our best route? And I thought you meant the electrician bill. I was like, well, no, Manny, no, no. Well, you know what? Though, in all <laughs> fairness, it's probably gonna be up there too because of the like, cost of copper. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, that too. I don't know recently. Yeah, it's gone up. It's gone up. It's quite gone a up bit. like nasty most, up. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my la- the apartment we just did. We were over by like twenty some percent on materials. So, 
but uh, just pure greed for copper, man. Yeah, pure we're going to see it everywhere, though. Like, I feel like there's no way to combat the inflation. They printed 40% of all the income or all the, the money this country's seen in the past two years. There's no chance we won't see 40% inflation. Like, that, it's this scary. Is more my opinion, but like, we're already at what, 8.1% for this? This is going to go. It's going to keep. Bank going. rates are going to go up. They'll be playing this juggling act, yeah. blaming this, blaming that. The, the bank rates going up is dangerous because there's so much debt load on people right now. And I'm blown away by the clients sometimes I meet where you're like, jeez, oh, like you find out, you know, we were in their house for like a month and then the wife lets it slip. Oh, the line of credit's maxed. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like I'm walking away from this conversation. Yeah, you guys yeah. figure this out somehow. Yeah, the, the appearances are very deceiving sometimes with some people where, you know, the big bass boat and the new truck and the driveway, the million dollar house, well, it's mortgage to the, you know. It just means that their paperwork is in order. That's all it means, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, it means they make a lot of money and they got a lot of debt to go with that sometimes. And it's a little scary for us. Yeah, you just, you want to make sure you get that last, uh, last check. Last check is always like the last piece of pie. Nobody ever wants to grab that last piece of pie. Uh, they're always nervous about it. So then I always tell everybody, just take out the last one first and then start eating. How many times have you had people not want to pay you when you're... Four. I was about to say I'm about three. Yeah. Four and three of them got negotiated. I never got the full amount and one of them got very nasty. If you're in this business Ma- long major enough... Major amounts? Uh, got up to I'm in probably over 200k in total for those four. Oh wow! Yeah, those are, those are yeah. No, those are big amounts. I I know other contractors that are my age and maybe a little bit older that are high six figures. Even one of them is in the seven figures. Yeah, I don't know how I would deal with that stress. Like your biggest stress is okay. First, you have to figure out how you pay the trades. Second, you figure out how do I negotiate with the trades. Third is how do I survive this and how do I still not hate this industry? But it's just it's, it's unfair that a lot of clients will put us in that predicament and then all of a sudden we're the ones that are at fault for that. And it's just because we're the nice person who's always given, 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 and then we're not staying on board with our, our bills, our change orders, our whatever, yep. and you just want to please and get everything done. But then you're taking advantage of. I'm very weary of people that add to the scope because of the. But scope. that's construction, though. Well, Tom. Every every job, I've not had one job that was exactly what it was supposed no, to and be. And I agree, and I suggest changes all the time. Yeah, the things that make as things you better. should. But what I find is some people, like especially, and this is gonna sound weird, but uh, uh, older people, they've been through it a couple times, and they give you a scope, and then as you start, they slowly start oh, adding stuff, I know. and then. Before you know it, you've doubled the entire project and like, you know, you look at what your numbers would be for say the three weeks and now you're working there three or six weeks and you look at the numbers that and, and then you're always at fault. And you're like, why am I waking making way less money per week? How did I get in this situation? Meanwhile, they've got this glorious, you know, renovation that just happened and they, they can take advantage for sure. I mean, I draw the line, at, uh, like I'm on a project now, we're kind of drawing the line. They want some custom cabinetry, and I'm like, you know, we're happy to do that. Custom shelves, floating shelves, we'll do that, that's for you. But we're gonna finish out first, and then, you know, then do I've got some other stuff to jump on, and then I'll come back. And they're fine with that? 
they're going to have to be. <laughs> it's only fair because they, 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 I guess they'll assume since you're already here, but the problem is that you're already factoring in your next project and you can't stay here much longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I think there was a post I shared where I was like, eventually you got to say goodbye. Eventually you got to let us go. Right. Yeah. Some people just will keep you there forever. And then you're in the laundry room then you're in this room. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, unless it's on an hourly at that point and you're making a good hourly, but even tough. still for you to be making a good hourly at that point is, is it really, there's always the rule of like, if you're, once you're into triple time, you're not worth the triple time at that point. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? You feel like you're stealing from them. Exactly. Right. Like I'm stuff. not at my best at that point, but you're paying me this high rate but I'm not at my best. Yeah. It's not yeah. fair. Yeah. So I've, I've been in that situation. I cut my hourly because it's a weird, it's like a, I don't know, what is that ego or something that's like sitting there? You're, you're trying, you, you're used to putting forth value. I think what yes. it is. And then when you're in those positions, you're like, ah, I can't, I can't do this to them. It's not the same value that I put forth. Meanwhile, like it's, it's them kind of wasting your time where it's like, I'd rather jump on a new project, hit it, start to finish, get it done. And then, you know, make my money that way. Cause I make like my hourly does, isn't what makes me money. Like I make, you know, money. It's your scope. It's the, your business. The entire thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's little percentage points on everything. So, so if I can jump into a project and, and get in and out real quick, then that's nice. At what point did you learn these lessons? Was it early on or was it later on? I just say all through it, nonstop. You learn a lot. Always. Yeah, every and day. Whether you realize it or not, like uh, contracts and stuff like that. Uh, I had one client that like was the nicest lady. Like, and I did all these little extras for her. She was so happy and just super nice. And then last day, final payment day, I couldn't believe like a light switch. And this woman threatened me, all this kind of she stuff. She just brought up a bunch of stuff that she considered were delays. Or she didn't even give me any reason. She just told me that she's going to take it online and just drag my name. It was like $800 final payment. And I was just like, all right, well, this isn't worth it. But I left at that point. I'm like, you know what? Like, So I, you ate it and left. Yeah, I ate it and left. But it's like you sit there and you're like, man, like I just gave everything to this woman for like three weeks and I smashed it out of the park for her. And she was ecstatic every single day. And then it's the final bill day. And now, she, you know, it's just, she planned that from the beginning, you know, thank goodness it's only 800 bucks. I can walk away from that. Right. But um, it's still the principle. If it was $8. It's just the principle that, yeah. and I've been in that situation too. I've been in that situation for like a little more than $2,000 on a simple job that I was asked to help out, fix it, mm -hmm. treat her really well, did a bunch of extras, constantly asking me to do this stuff that was outside of the scope of the actual area. There was two bathrooms that were being done. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it was a switch. And then I, I had to be polite about it. And I responded back to her so-called threats, I guess, mm -hmm. with reminders of everything that has been done that was never built. Yeah. And all the extra time and money and all this other stuff that was saved. I, I used to have a little bit of the hero complex. You want to swoop in and like help someone out that they've had a bad guy renoing or whatever. Save that but for your family, yourself, yeah, because and, and the friends who actually saved your life. You know what I mean? Like they're in a mess half the time, and they're just dragging people down. So yeah. it's like you got to be cautious who you're dealing dealing with. For sure. That's a lot of the younger guys have to learn that whole vet vetting process, and it's just funny how it's reading people and. And it's even how that person comes to you. Because you, you've talked about this trusted pros or Kijiji. Or yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like these people are selecting from basically a contractor Rolodex. And what really differentiates you 
you know, uh, oh, you got a nice picture here. It's like they all got a nice picture. You're all the same, right? Yeah. And by referral is like the best way, in my opinion, because that person is not going to want to jeopardize their relationship with someone that you have a good relationship with. Of course. So that person who I just mentioned that like turned on me on a dime, if I was referred by like her mother or something like that, she would never have been that way. Yeah. She wouldn't have done that because that's going to affect her life and social standing. It's the fact that she got me, I think it was off trusted pros or something like that. So she, and the, the poor cabinet guy, I, I did a b- bunch of business with him afterwards same thing same problem she did the same thing to him but for like 1600 bucks so it was just you know some people kind of know how to work the system they're okay with smudging the ethics to it i guess but someone needs to start a construction company call it karma construction (laughs) it was that guy who uh, smashed the shower with the sledgehammer you saw that viral video oh he finished (laughs) and never got paid yeah, he finished it, never got, it was horrendous work, but like the, it, you know, it seemed like they deserved each other, the client, and the contractor, and he smashed it out, but he should change his name to Karma. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, I've always said that clients will always do, and as much as it's been depicted a different way on, on TV shows, which I'm not a fan of the four letter word, it's always been depicted that the contractor is the bad person and they're the ones that took advantage of the client. And I think that you got to flip that coin because the thing is we've got a business and we've got a reputation and we've got people that know us and other clients. If you start saying negative things about us, whether they're true or not, it's going to hurt our business. But you as a homeowner, you live in a neighborhood. What am I going to do? I'm going to come around and say, you never paid me. That's not going to hurt you. You won't give a shit about what your neighbors think about you at that point. We're at a more vulnerable state. And oh, they yeah. know that they can take advantage of that, especially with online reviews. Oh, and stuff it's, like it's that. insane. That's, that stuff's crazy. I've had guys reach out to me like, Jared, you know this. You've told me this, man. It's like he got a bad review for a job he never did. Same. He submitted an estimate and the person didn't like <laughs> the estimate or it was a day late. And then they left a review for that. I had a lady. <laughs> so in the earlier days when my first son was pretty young, I would take him to quotes even sometimes, depending on the quote. Because, you know, babysitter, yada, yada, expensive. Of course, so of course. I'd ro- I rolled up to this job, and I was coming to quote it, and the lady pulled in with her son, and the cat was in the driveway. And can I swear? Of course I'm, you I'm can. I'm quoting. I'm quoting here. <laughs> she, the son rolls down the, the window, and he's like, move, you fucking cunt. And then like this the, is the sun. Yeah. Driving the truck. And then the lady rolls down her window and throws something at the cat. She's like, you fucking bitch move. And then they pull in the driveway. Well, I just started my truck and drove the left. Off. Oh God. Yeah. 100%. I'm not dealing with that. Well, I'm not exposing myself to it, but let alone my son. Yeah, Your like, son's was, there. That, and that was the last time I ever took him on an estimate. I was like, all right, never again doing that because like, you don't know <laughs> well, who you never these people thought- are that circus was going to be in town man yeah and so she left me uh, she's probably my only negative review and I then have. she leaves you a negative oh. review oh she threatened me even to get back there and stuff like that that she had waited like 24 hours and now she's got to find someone else see that's it's why we all need to get dash cams eh? so we can have this recorded and then all of a sudden she can leave a review and then we'll leave the video oh yeah and then here's the truth everybody well, that I was did. a nice piece of fiction but here's the truth <laughs> I had to respond to her <laughs> review and I'm like alright well, uh, do I quote what I saw? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to find, I'm like, say something professional. You know, we apologize. We couldn't handle the, the added workload. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but it's not like, it shouldn't be a part of this business. There should be a lot more respect for this business, right? 
Uh, I think it needs to be talked about because, like, uh, a lot of guys do a lot of sketchy stuff. Man. Of course. Like, of course. There, was, there was a guy, I worked for a detective in Brantford, and he, he, he investigated a renovation fraud, which I found out after I signed the contract with his wife. He's just home one day, and I'm chatting with him. So I'm like, oh, he must have done a background check pretty thorough on me, I guess. But Whoa. I was doing a triple bathroom for those guys while they went to uh, Portugal. Okay. Anyways, he was chasing this guy for six years trying to get, he, he would structure his deposits and his contracts. So it's like, oh, you owe him whatever, uh, 35%. And then after um, the first piece of hardwoods out and this and that, and then he'd come in one day, get that done. And now you owe him another 20%. And people would be like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. And they wouldn't pay him. Well, now they're defaulting on the contract. And yeah. then he can stop, walk away with their money. He managed to do that to like How many? over 30 something people. He had millions of dollars. He had done this over six years. So this is all planned, man. And, and technically from a legal standpoint, he's in the right. Because like, he's done what he was supposed to do. He finally got caught because he did it to a lawyer and the lawyer paid him every single time. And then it showed that he had no intent of finishing the project. He had nothing lined up. He was expecting the guy to stop paying, right? At that point, he was finally arrested for fraud. But at that point, everything's in his girlfriend's name. And when it came to who gets paid first, well, this guy owes CRA money off all this money he's been collecting. So CRA gets paid first, even though it's stolen money. And then there was no money left over for anybody else. <laughs> so any of the homeowners? No. So they get nothing back. So it wow. was, you hear stories like that and you're like. And still what? No jail time or it, it's got to be criminal at that point. I don't. I don't know what, because he only gets busted off the one. That's so, true, because they don't have the evidence for the others. Yeah, even though it's it's there, it's obvious. But uh, I didn't dive too much into detail. Like, I was picking his brain all No, day, but you're right. But like There's a lot of shady guys out there that do this purposely so that they can just get that money and then just get to a certain level, skirt legal, Oh yeah. and then get away with it. Yeah, and, and even subs. I've met some subs that are, they do some questionable stuff. There's a, I mean, every business, every industry every, has some. people, right? Exactly, there's, right? There's Not everybody that's walking around in a, in a $5,000 suit is squeaky clean either. No. Like, there's just, it's human nature, right? So the only people I think, I, or species, I would say, are animals. They don't really do anything that's wrong. That's yeah. about monetary. Because <laughs> they don't <laughs> deal with monetary, right? Um, <laughs> all right. I think we've covered a lot, man. Yeah. I just, is there anything else you want to mention, or...? Uh, no, what are we having? Oh, you know what? Actually, we did, because off mic, before we even got started, the recession is coming. Yeah, I've been keeping my eye on it a little bit. I'm anticipating for it. Like, uh, I feel like we're we're actually going to be, we're already in a recession, really. Yeah. And now we're mixing it with inflation. So that's the concoction for a depression. The recipe. But, the recipe yeah. is there. So I think we'll see how it goes. History doesn't repeat itself. You can compare it to the seventies, eighties or whatever there. And, uh, um, the 2012, I think it was right. 2009, nine to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's comparisons to make for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit worried mostly for business and how it goes and how that transforms the business. Because like when that happens, you're working more like unnecessary things. So I've, I've, as a business owner and anyone else kind of in my field, like I, I've kind of made sure I'm open to, you know, handy accessible stuff. Like I know how I've well-versed in how to, you know, make curbless showers for, yep. for elderly or something yep. like that and design showers for those guys. Um, because that's something that doesn't 
just you know disappear in a recession that's needed you know uh remediation stuff not that like that's stuff i'd ever want to really do but well, it's funny because i've done two shows with linda who actually talks about wellness in place aging in place and, mm -hmm. and she's always reminded everybody that in canada alone it's an 86 billion dollar year industry yeah and the elderly are just growing that population oh, is boomers, growing sure, yeah. and so it's there and it's funny as i got a podcast coming up on saturday with tiny homes so there's a a trade show finally for tiny homes that's coming oh. up in Ancaster, okay. August 5th or, or sorry, August 4th to 7th. So we're going to do a show, talk to one of the builders. And I think tiny homes is another segment of the industry that y you'll benefit if you get into it. If you educate yourself, I think laneway homes, tiny homes, elderly wellness, living, all these things that are basically they're attracting the majority of the population that's coming towards it. Like there's, I don't know what exactly the percentage of it, but we're going to have the biggest amount of seniors ever in the next few years. Yeah. And so for me, like, uh, I thought about gearing my business even, especially if we're hitting a recession into like kind of servicing that. Cause I actually like working for that group of people too. Like they're, yeah. they're usually very appreciative. They're very kind. And like, I'll sit there for like a half hour and listen to and a talk. story. Listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they make good coffee and espresso and all that stuff, like, then, uh, you It's know, a I, bonus. I said it was going to be two weeks. It might be four. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be here a while. I saw there's another pack of pods there. It's all good. Yeah. yeah and now yeah. you're bringing the biscotti out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to take longer. Oh, you're, you're Portuguese, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bifana and shit. Yeah. And so that, that will you get clients that are actually giving you that? No. My spouse, Sabrina, she's Portuguese and shit. And, <laughs> and all that stuff. And there's that uh, red chicken with the red sauce. Yeah. Oh, so, so we all, all that. So it's, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I just did another podcast that I'm editing right now with Steve from vintage and we actually did it outside and there was quite a bit of Sharice and there was quite a bit of beer, oh, yeah. super block. And, uh, and there was quite a bit of whiskey. <laughs> I love, uh, or uh, Sumal too, that's so Sumal, the juice, yeah. I, I love... You got to uh, go to the Portuguese shops and you go, my, oh, yeah. I, actually, I'll go to the pineapple Sumal. Sometimes I'll do the passion fruit Sumal. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of nice. It's refreshing to, on a nice hot summer day. I can drink a whole pack of that, no problem. <laughs> but it's, I love watching people's face when you give them shitties for the first time because it's like... They're like, what is this? Is it a sausage? I don't really like sausage. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Eat this. Like, and then when you grill it on the barbecue, oh. Oh, and then leftover, have it with eggs ah, oh, yeah. yeah you married right <laughs> oh yeah no trust me i've been gaining weight ever since i linked up with her that's for sure <laughs> no you're just becoming more of yourself that's all it is man it's not gaining weight you're doing fine man no. <laughs> tom this has been good we got the 12 questions but hang on a sec so elliot's trusted trades inc uh www.trustedtrade.ca and info at trustedtrade.ca and on instagram it's elliot's trusted trades 12 questions Sure. What's your favorite construction word? Blow me. <laughs> Reason. Have you ever had a, a helper with a job site blower and you're covered in dry? Oh, totally. Dust? I've yeah, said yeah. that so okay. many times, so man. You know it's I've, like, I've you know done a video of it, too. I go, come over here and blow me, man. I had to clarify <laughs> so uh, people listening don't think I'm like. <laughs> but, it, but we talk about this all the time on the show is that there's a lot of um, double entendres, I guess, in oh, construction, yeah. right? Always have fun. All kinds of stuff, right? Uh, what's your least favorite construction word? I gonna say fuck. <laughs> That's your least. Yeah. It's good. I don't like swearing, especially when I work in people's homes. So yeah, it's, you gotta it's a good point. It's a good a, point. You got to figure out who the client is. Yeah, if there's a cross hanging above the bed, you put the filter on. You understand? Oh, that stuff. I, you know, it reminds me of one of the earlier jobs I did, where it was a a, a youngish Italian couple, 
and we were doing a, a big extensive like 1700 square foot basement rental like home oh, yeah. theater soundproof room for the son because he wants to learn drums and guitar and i'm like okay and all of a sudden every morning we get there and they're just getting started and it was like this yelling match between the husband and wife over and over. <laughs> and, you know, and they, they were well off. And he would always be the kind of husband that would just want to race out of the house, get into his Audi, and then back up. And he would always back up on the garbage day and hit the garbage and just, like, lay it all out on the road and keep on driving. And it's just someone else's problem, right? But it was all this yelling match going back and, like, cursing up a storm. And then at some point, there was a referral from another friend. And they were like... Um, you should come by and just take a look at some of the pictures upstairs. Like I know sometimes you don't and, but go upstairs and just take a peek, right? When they get an opportunity to ask you to do some more scope upstairs. Yeah. So I went up and all of a sudden I'm coming across and I see all these family photos and I see them. So happy. So young and so happy and so full of love. And I'm trying to picture them and the people that I know from what's going on every oh, morning. It's crazy. I was about to say they're <laughs> acting like that, but they're probably the nope. closest, most tight knit family. Super nice oh, people. Yeah, Super nice people. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Anything with a good challenge, I'd say. Motivated, driven. Yeah. I like that. What turns you off in construction? Uh, what would it be? Three by six subway tile tubs around. That's a pretty big turn off these days. Yeah, but everyone's doing that now. I think I've done like 50 of them already. I'm like, all Forever. right, I'm done. <laughs> oh, they can go crazy and go like, what, 3 by 12 or something? Like yeah, they get no, linear now. We're going to go crazy and put some black route. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite curse word or phrase, if you don't curse? Um, curse word or phrase. Well, shit. Shit. Yeah. What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Oh, man. I'd probably say like a E series with a Quigley on it, Quigley package, the four by four. I'm oh, a fan, yeah. man. I don't think you get me out of a van. What are you trying? You tr you got a Transit going on there? I got a yeah, 250 high top Transit. What year is it? It's a 2019. So right before the mess. Yeah, I got it for thirty-eight thousand, and it's selling that exact model, selling for like seventy right now. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just crazy. I found out with Mercedes, there was a sales guy. He let it slip. He goes, the reason that there's no chips for vans is because all the chips went into the new S-Class and the E-Classes. Oh, yeah. So they had chips, but yeah. they put them into the cars instead of the vans. And then... Which only fueled the fire for Ford even, too. What's your least favorite vehicle? Um, probably uh, any Kia. <laughs> Kia Soul. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Mm, I love the sound of these new framing... Um, Framing nailers, the cordless ones. Battery, battery ones. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. Which ones Satisfying. are they? Who? The, Mil, I'm not a Milwaukee man. What are you? You're a Dewalt guy. <laughs> I'm a Hilti guy. You're a Hilti guy. I was calling my rep today, and I was like, you know what? Give me some Hilti swag to give to this guy for the podcast. Today. And they won't do it. Oh, he was totally gonna do it, but we're I supposed to have Hilti on this show. Oh, nice. I was I've supposed been to go dealing, to Mississauga. I was dealing it. with Dominic for the longest time before the pandemic, and I was like, come on, guys, come on the show. <laughs> and then we were supposed to do. We're trying to figure it out. Then the lawyers got involved. Oh goodness. And yeah. I was like, oh come you on, can't man. We're say just anything bad. We're about just us. gonna talk about tools. What's going on? Yeah, but we have to be careful how it's said. And I'm like. Yeah. Hilti, Hilti, Hilti. Do I have to take that out? It's just, yeah, that's a different <laughs> word. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you hate? Uh, probably a compressor or oscillating tool. Oh, my gosh, yeah. 
they're like high pitch, like ring. When you get to my age, when man. they make the silence of the, you know, they got the new impacts that are quiet. Yeah. And they come out with. They an can't do that tool. with. How are you gonna? You gonna have like a muscle? Never or? say never. One day. Uh, I'd be I'd be blown away. I had a client one time ask me if I could put silencers on my tools. Yeah. I said sure. I'll go to the truck and grab it. And I went and came back and she goes, "You put them on." I was going, "No, they don't exist." We make that joke all the time. Uh, oh, we'll put it on quiet mode. Sorry about that. <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh. Um, Something different in the wheelhouse? You know what? It's funny because you just put the book out. Um, but writing, but comedy writing, I love comedy Comedy writing. I used to do it. And, uh, you know, ever since I started the business, haven't touched it. So So comedy writing in what format? Like a TV sitcom or like a movie? Yeah, like a TV sitcom. Probably like writing about uh, mostly like dad experience stuff. But Do uh, it. Yeah, you know what? And you you were a bit of a motivator with your book there, but <laughs> do uh, it, man! Like we we need that humor. It's, it's the time. It's honestly like uh, I love my family, and like honestly, you couldn't pry me away from them with a crowbar. But like, it's it's so time consuming. You know, I mean, we're still potty training little ones, so it's yeah, like yeah, one yeah. day I know. I'll get the time back. Put whiteboards everywhere on the house, and just when you got the ideas, write them down. That's how that kind of came about. I was on the job site. I was on my phone making notes and then email it to myself, oh, get home good. and give myself an hour to sit down and read and write and just kind of put the ideas together. You know what? I'll take that into account. Because I'm telling like, you I know need, what? To be I honest, to... I can see the humor. And I, I come in. When was the last time we had a good dad based comedy? I can only think of maybe well, home improvement with Tim Allen kind of thing. Story stories like really only come from like uh, real I, life. I, I, real life. I haven't read your book. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm assuming there's some elements of real life. Of and, course. And a little bit of embellishment there, oh. but like there's stuff that's always happening as a parent that's hilarious. Like do uh, it. Oh, uh, I know. Who's I'm that guy? To... I'm trying to remember um, the teacher. What's his name? The blonde hair guy. He's the one that does the Family Feud for Canada. I'm trying. To, he had um, he had a sitcom where he was a school teacher because he was actually a school teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to remember his name now. I can't remember. But now. that's how that whole sitcom came about. It's like he took all of his experiences as, as a school teacher and all the situations that he came across in real life. Yeah. Turned it into a sitcom, yeah, and I'm like a bit of embellishment. Too. Yeah, but yeah. I mean that's what I was saying. I mean, and I, I I thoroughly enjoy hearing somebody telling me that they want to write something. I'm like just. That's three years, man. So it takes time. I get oh, that yeah. it takes time. You got kids. You got four. Like, that's a lot of work. No, but Plus the wife, right? It's nice to hear you start in your journey little, right? Because like, I always think, like, well, I need to, you know, sit down with a laptop no. and, and figure it no. out that way. So it's like I got to pull myself into it. And I've told, like, this is the laptop that I wrote that on. And this thing's 14 years old, right? It's just, oh, yeah. like, I did it on notes. I just, whatever scrap piece of paper. I don't think I got to the point where I was taking a piece of lumber and I wrote a note on there because I was doing it on my smartphone, right? The, but the contractor tablet, you know? <laughs> contractor <laughs> tablet, right? Um, what profession would you not like to do? Um, probably the office job. I mean, yeah. I did work in an office for a while and it was... You know, that was the only time in my life I kind of experienced like anxiety attacks. Sadness. What? <laughs> Sadness. It was just, yeah, it was a high stress office job. And like I'd be sitting there, my knees would be bouncing. You know what I mean? Where like my knees don't bounce when I work all day. Yeah. Know, construction. So. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates, Tom? Ooh. It's a big question. Yeah. Um, I got no idea. To be honest. No idea at all. Free re free refills. 
<laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Free refills. Oh, this has been a blast. I finally get. I know that we've been chatting, chatting quite yeah. a bit, and it's just. Trust me, I get a lot of DMs. And I get a lot of people talking, and then I'm just trying to stay up and keep up with everybody. But it's been good to have you on the show, man. Yeah, I don't get as many DMs, but life is busy on my end here. No, too. I can imagine, dude. All the best to you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, Tom Elliott again, Elliott's Trusted Trades Inc., and it's www.trustedtrade.ca, info at trustedtrade.ca, and on Instagram, it's Elliott's Trusted Trades. I think we're gone, man. We're out of here. Thank you so much. Sounds good. <laughs>